And here we go, Merrymakers. Time for episode 288 of the Brian Oak Show podcast. I'm Brian Oak. That's my friend Sean Bernard right there. Hi, Sean. How you doing? I'm okay, man. We're here in the Smart Start MN Studios. I was going to say the much ballyhooed Smart Start MN Studios, but I haven't recalled a great deal of ballyhooing about them, uh, nor have we won any awards for this particular studio yet. Not yet. But we're on the way. 2023 is our year. One... <laughs> You said that with such conviction (laughs) that I almost felt like abandoning my life and following you on your vision quest. Uh, My daughter actually bought us a new piece of artwork for this studio, and I meant to bring it today and hang it up. It is a replication, obviously, of a very, very early Van Gogh painting. Um, You know, I mean, Vincent Van Gogh is kind of a familiar name. It's not Van Gogh? I believe that in recent years it has been modified for the Amsterdamian Netherlanders uh, pronunciation of Van Gogh. Okay. Well, okay, fine. Vincent Van Gogh, the guy who cut his ear off, right? Yes, the guy who guy. did the sunflowers. Yep. Everyone knows who he is. Yep. But early on, he did some dark, mysterious experiments with light and dark. And there's a very famous early painting of him with a just a skeleton smoking a cigarette, which when you think about his time, pretty odd, but it's a gorgeous study in light and darkness, and it's going to fit perfectly right above my head right now, there. did he sell one? I think he sold one painting in his lifetime, yeah. didn't he? No, I mean, he made oh, no money. He, the, no, and, uh, you know, and has since become one of the most celebrated of all time. But um, I, I had a really good Christmas, man. I didn't get anything. That's good. I, you know, I don't want gold and riches and all that kind of stuff. I want things that are interesting. I got the the collected Alan Rickman uh, diaries as a book to read, and I fucking love Alan Rickman. And um, I don't know, I just, I got some cool things this year, up to and including that painting and i feel bad that i forgot to bring it but when we return here next it will be hanging upon the very walls of the smart start mn studio how about your holidays man i saw online i only saw a few pictures but it looked like they treated you okay yeah my nephew got stuck up here because of the cold weather so he got to spend uh, christmas with us that was nice my mom came over uh my wife very detail oriented i don't know if you're familiar with that i have one uh, of those so Inside my, she got me a, a gift card for Massage Envy, and inside the gift card were way too many details. Yeah. So I'm just reading them out loud because everybody opens their gifts one at a time. Of course. Oldest to youngest, uh-huh. and I'm reading mine. You have an appointment Tuesday, December 27th at 4.45. That's today. With Tamara, I really hope you enjoy the happy ending. She did not write that in the card. She didn't write it in there, but the entire room, including my daughter's recent boyfriend, <laughs> absolutely <laughs> lost their minds because they weren't used to me doing that. That is quite they brilliant. Absolutely. Yeah. My wife's like, what? She just you'll, be, <laughs> you'll be heading to the Cherry Blossom Massage Parlor. <laughs> exactly right. For our special thumbing oh, feature. Tamara with the okay, thumbs. Okay, <laughs> anyway. But that's later on today. You're looking forward to a massage. Yeah, I'm going to help a client oh, out, uh, build something that I have no idea what I'm doing so okay. i hope it passes the code and then i'm gonna go get a nice massage that Brian. sounds like a good tuesday i like a massage now and again oh i just had one a couple weeks ago and i haven't oh. had one in years i hadn't had one since before the pandemic and it was glorious you I still splurged. cry a lot during the massage <laughs> <laughs> 
Can I call just you? Just weeping. Can I call, can I call you? I haven't been touched in so long. Can I call you mama? <laughs> exactly. Yeah, no, that's too weird. <laughs> uh, it's just a podcast, guys. I'm sorry about it, everybody. Um, I hope everyone had a great holiday out there. Survived the cold weather. Things are slowly warming up and moving in a better direction. But um, the holidays are now slowly in the rearview mirror, depending upon, of course, which holiday you celebrate. But um, they were good. Uh, but I'm glad they're behind us because the madness that leads up to them is always because I'm a last minute Lulu is always a little chaotic. I was at the stores way too much. Me Christmas too. Eve, yeah. I still went out and got some stuff, even though I get together with my family at 4 p.m. on Christmas Eve. Yeah, I, my 23rd was my last day of shopping, but I was not far behind you. I started and ended on the 23rd. Well done. That, that That's a man with a plan. Yeah. It's weird. It's kind of like studying for an exam, right? When you're in school, like, ah, I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm fine. I'm like, oh, shit, that's tomorrow. And then, boom. Da, 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 that's da, da, da. how I've lived most of my life, Brian. Same. <laughs> it is the Brian Oak Show podcast. It's a known quantity now that we're 288 episodes in. We've got a great guest Sheesh. for you today that I will tell you about momentarily. But first, let's thank the people who have kept this podcast alive low these many years. Smart Start MN. They are Minnesota's original ignition interlock company. With them, you are able to get back into your vehicle quicker after a DUI than you otherwise might. Now, first of all, don't get the DUI, but people still get the DUI. So whether it's you, someone you love, someone you know, these were the people, these are lawyers, these are trained professionals who worked with Minnesota to in initiate this program. They were there at the very beginning. No one knows better how to take advantage of this or offers it to you at a better price. Don't believe the carpetbaggers, all right? We know how Minnesotans are. We're very provincial. Anything that's Minnesotan, we love. Smart Start MN. Well, it's right there in the name, MN. Yes, start... <laughs> Totally screwed that up. Yeah. Smartstartmn.com slash the Brian Oak Show. That'll get you 20% off the installation of the ignition interlock system. And if for people who are confused, like, well, what does it do? It's a thing they install in your car. And if you blow and you're not drunk, you get to drive. The state has to let you drive. So It's magical. I don't just, know how they figure well, that Well, I, I do. It's, it's a breathalyzer attached to your car. But then it actually makes it start and Yeah, work. no, That's exactly. Crazy. So just, A, be cool. Don't drink and drive. But it does happen to the best of us. Uh, so do make sure that if you need help, Smart Start MN. Also, our friends, our most recent uh, sign-on, Moxie Wealth Management. Joe Burgess and his entire team, they look at your wealth with a long-term perspective, but they also don't just look at it like, here's your 401k, the end, we'll talk to you in five years. They're looking at everything. They're looking at real estate. They are looking at taxes. They are looking at every asset that could potentially be considered valuable in your portfolio. And like most of us, I don't have the slightest fucking idea. I, do, I really don't. And that's where having professionals on your team to not only kind of get it in place and get it rolling, but then stay in touch with you as markets change, as situations change, as your life changes, they are on top of it the entire time. Yeah, they have a whole team of people too. So instead of waiting longer and longer and longer to do this stuff, sometimes there can be tax benefits uh, to put things into a certain program so that down the road, you don't have to pay as many uh, taxes on that. They're even going to look at like your, what did you say for, what do you have for Social Security? Um, a lot. Yeah. Probably a lot over yeah, all these lot. years. I'm going to be rich, Sean. Yeah. Rich but beyond we, my wildest dreams. But most dreams. of us don't know what that number is, but they'll look at absolutely everything uh, so that when you do finally, finally, finally get to retire, 
you're going to have an idea of where you stand. MoxieWealthManagement.com. So I've been doing radio long enough and been a music fan even longer that I have got to watch a lot of very interesting evolutions, bubbles, ripples, eddies in the Minnesota music stream. And so have you, Sean. Oh, right? Yeah. I mean, we've both gone out a thousand times mm-hmm. and we love music and we've had we've been around so many of them. The gentleman who joins us today, uh, I last had in Studio C, man, I don't want to age either of us, but it was early 2000s, um, and his band, The Alarmists, were enjoying this incredible surge of mm. popularity. In fact, if I'm not mistaken, and we'll, we'll get the info from him shortly, I believe they were City Pages pick to click, uh, and they, in celebration, all grew out these young men, wispy mustaches, because they were all young, interesting, dangerous <laughs> men. He's going to hate that I brought that up. But Eric Levold uh, of The Alarmist, the main man, the front man, the singer, They were charming, they were wonderful, and they put out this incredible music early on that I found myself very caught up in. And so I talked to the powers that be at Cities 97 in my early days there. I'm like, we got to get them in. We got, I mean, we we have to get them in. And we did get them in, and they were great. And one of the songs they played for us was this. Now, this is not the Studio C recording, but I haven't heard any of the new stuff because after a decade's absence, Alarmists are back, and Eric's going to tell us all about it coming up next. But first of all, I want people to take... Three and a half minutes, or what, four minutes and four seconds, sorry, and listen to this song. I love the keyboards, I love the vocals, I love the lyrics, I love everything about this song. The Alarmist with New Romans on The Brian Oak Show.
I love it when an artist is familiar with their own work, doesn't discard it to the past, but it still means something to them. And I can tell because our next guest, Eric Levold, literally was able to air every instrument like air synthesizer, air guitar, air drum fill, air static on the radio at the very end there. Eric, it is excellent to see you. How are you, man? Brian, I'm doing well. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, gladly. I mean, you and I, we saw each other a long time ago, but I mean, it's been, it's weird how quickly it all goes, right? It's weird yeah. how much life elapses sometimes between the times you see people. Um, and everything I said about that song, I meant, before we talk about your history, the alarmist history, and the fact that there has been a triumphant return that's all about to happen again, when you wrote that particular song right there, now I, I've refused in my life to ever ask an artist, Why'd you name it that? What does that name mean? Or what's that song about? Because I believe personal interpretation is a crucial part of the exchange between fan and creator, right? That, that's always been part of my philosophy. That being said, when you wrote that song, did you know you'd written a fucking killer song? No, I, I don't think you, yeah, you never know that until you work with your band and, and you have, I think, kind of that... Um, that shared experience, you know, when the magic happens when you play it in a room. Um, that song in particular, uh, so for us, you know, we were college kids and we were kind of punks. <laughs> and we were talking about how Americans were basically the new Romans. Very much so. But we were also part of that experience. And, you know, as liberal arts majors and, like I said, punks, <laughs> we're writing lyrics about Times New Roman, right? And, yeah. the, and like yeah. the new Romans. And so, but to your point... Um, as time goes on, songs evolve for for listeners, for for creators. Every time that I've played that song, it's meant something different depending on where I'm at in my life. See, and I that part right there, I think that's, that's one of the reasons I love doing what I do, talking to musicians, creators, artists, bakers, politicians, whatever. The works you've created change for you over time, just like they do for listeners. Like we, as a listener, I have no idea where the fuck you were coming from with that song. Yeah, I, I loved it the first I time either. I heard it, and it's taken on new meaning for me too. But I, that to me is one of the most interesting and insightful aspects of talking to songwriters and creators and musicians, because over the course of it, it's like, oh, well, this is kind of what we originally meant, but it also means this, and now it means this, and I think that's that's the whole point of creativity. Whether someone is a wildly talented musician or an exceptional poet or whether they're just average and pretty pedestrian, just keep making stuff. Keep making stuff because you never, ever know what it's going to mean, where it's going to go, and who it's going to impact in ways that you couldn't have possibly predicted. Yeah, well, thanks for the trip down memory lane. Uh, we, we've been rehearsing. How long ago was that, man? When did you guys get picked to click? Uh, I think it was 2005. Okay. Um, that's, A minute ago. That song was written. So what year did the current launch? The current launched. Six? I, I, you know, I honestly don't know. I didn't come there till years later. Right. Uh, we were, we that were sounds about right. We were lucky because that EP came out right when the current was launching. And, oh. the, and they had a huge. Um, Beauty. They had a huge impact on us because they had a focus on local talent at the time. And so 
uh, it dovetailed right with our release, and things just kind of escalated from there. It was fabulous. So um, before we talk about the the Halcyon days and the soon-to-be new Halcyon days, let's go back to the beginning. Where are you from? I am from Wiper Lake, Minnesota. Uh, spent, so you're Minnesota, born and raised. Born and raised. Good man. Spent about three years in New Hampshire when my wife was in grad school out right, there. Right, So I did move away, uh, so I spent a lot of time in Boston and New York, uh, Doing music licensing as an ex musician, or, right. or at least you know, like an ex band guy, like that was a nice step. But uh, then came back, uh, lived in St. Paul for a while, and now I'm up in Hugo, Minnesota. Well, and let's be honest, like the early part of the 2000s is when music licensing sort of took on an entirely new dimension, right? I mean, like bands were uh, bands still toured, they still sold merch, they still put records out, et cetera, et cetera. But licensing, all of a sudden, if you got one of your songs on the OC's Christmas soundtrack or on One Tree Hill or that kind of thing, was that the kind of stuff you were involved with? Yeah, absolutely. So I did everything from, um, you know, the production and the and the selection and, and the curation for, right. for advertising clients, as well as, um, you know, directing kind of the creative direction with writers. The one part that's interesting is that as a songwriter, I never engaged in the writing process at that company. Right. I, I I chose a different path. I yeah. cho- I chose more of an a uh, you know a production and, and sales strategy, um, which was it was just a blast. But I'll still I'll bet it was still fascinating, and you got to work with some incredible people. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, we did um we did that spot for Budweiser. I don't know if you ever saw it, where the guy doesn't come home one night and his dog's waiting up for him. Oh. And we did all the original music for that, and, really? and yeah, it was super fun. It went viral. I think they had like. 12 million hits on it in the first three days. So, Well, I, the thing I think about first when I really realized the impact of um, marketing and the impact of licensing and, you know, music having a way, suddenly another vector to market, right, through advertising, even before the Internet really blew up. You go back to the early 2000s. I don't remember what year the, 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 the uh, commercial came out, but that Volkswagen commercial that featured Nick Drake in it, right? So, I mean, this is sort of, to me, a flashpoint because I promise you, one one-thousandth of the people who know who Nick Drake is now <laughs> knew who he was before that came out. Right. Now, I was a music nerd, right? I was a record-collecting nerd, so I, I didn't know much about him, but I knew who he was because he was this weird, mysterious English folk figure, and then it came out there, and suddenly the world went nuts for Nick Drake for about three months, but it's it's... It has cemented his legacy in a way that it may otherwise not have been. Licensing and finding the right spot at the right time has made the difference for thousands of artists. Oh, yeah. Well, and it's so funny. Like, you know, in the heyday there, uh, you know, it used to be unsexy to license your music. But then all of a sudden, I think fans understood that this is a way that bands get paid mm-hmm. that helps them make the next record, right? So you've got Wilco on Volkswagen commercials, and I don't know, every Pizza Hut Thing and the whole world was the Black Keys, <laughs> right? <laughs> every, every Coldplay ripoff, right? Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. And modern English really sold out with Melt with You. I think that was on not only Burger King but like three other. I hope. Ads as I well. hope that they're sitting at home doing nothing but opening opening envelopes of mailbox money. Well, you should know. I mean, as you probably already know, Sean and I are very much in the similar vein, right? Like, I if someone. Selling out is not getting your music licensed, right? Selling out is turning your back on what you believe for mm-hmm. your bag of silver, right? 
getting paid for the music you make is not a criminal act. Absolutely not. And and Sean and I believe the same thing. Yeah. Like when we do our events for our Patreon members and things like that, every artist gets paid. Like we we don't expect you to be like, you know, you should just be happy for the exposure. <laughs> that whole fucking industry yeah. asshole Bullshit. attitude, yeah. which well, everybody that, hates. That's what everyone does to graphic designers and yep. photographers. Yep. Hey, hey, how about if you give us a little of your work, yeah. and then we'll see what happens. And I mean, you might get a chance to really take it. No, pay me. Yeah, pay me. Yeah. I mean, again, I'm also not running a soup kitchen. Even even in my the in my own modest way, people are like, hey, would you be willing to voice this just kind of for free? Because we don't really have a budget. I'm like, no, I absolutely would not. <laughs> it's not going to happen. <laughs> not and not going to work. Not being a dick, but I think that all three of us, and probably thousands, millions more, believe that. I don't want to reduce art because obviously there's magic there. Hearing that song right there, I fucking love mm-hmm. that song, New oh, Romans. Thank you so much. But if I, if I heard that it made you ten million dollars, it wouldn't rob any of the joy from me. In fact, I'd be kind of happy for you. Well, it, I think it made us about um, like fifty bucks. Okay, in fifteen years. Well, <laughs> I mean, I, well, that's I, not the point. That's not why we do it, you know. But, right? but when I when, when I say that what an artist creates is a commodity. This is what they pour their life into, right? So whether maybe you're a textile artist or maybe you're a construction worker or maybe you're in chartered accountancy, if you put your heart and soul into it, you should be paid for the work that you put out. That's the nature of the world we've created. And so this expectation of freedom and free downloads and all that, and I know Spotify is a good way for your music to get out there, but that's also sort of an extension of that, well, you should just be glad for the exposure. What did you tell me you raked in on Spotify last year? Oh, I think it was about $2.87. Okay. Yeah, cool. I had to Venmo each of my band members about, about I think, 46 cents. What did you do with all that extra money? I mean, you know, we went to the arcade, but we couldn't even play a game. <laughs> all right, Eric, um, we'll talk a little bit more about the Alarmists in the heyday and your journey along the way. But the Alarmists are back, so before we get into this first, this is a new song, right? Our newest yeah, song, yeah? Yeah, so this, this, this song we're about to hear is called Don't Be a Mystery. It's, it's the opening track from our new record. And the new record is called... The Alarmist. It's going to be a self-titled self-titled album. Self-titled eponymous, as some would say in the business. This is the time for a self-titled record. Uh, it's a rebirth. After 10 years, and we are going to talk about that hiatus, and we are going to talk about what the future looks like for you, but before we do any more talking, I hate going too long without a song. Can we hear it? Let's hear it. Yeah. Don't be a mystery, folks. Closes her eyes. Put 
kind of sounds like you didn't miss a beat. That was lovely, man. Oh, thanks so much. Where'd that song come from? Uh, you know, it's it's funny. I, I've written songs in about a minute, and then I've written songs that took two and a half years, and <laughs> this one's the latter. Uh, I had I had a demo from a couple years ago. Well, I had so I had a couple kids, and so I just that kind of changes the trajectory a little bit, yeah, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. But I, I, you know, I keep iPhone demos and. I found that one, and it just felt compelling to me. What's really cool about that song is that it's played on a 1914 Kranich and Bach uh, parlor grand piano, which is in between a, a baby and a full. Okay. Um, and that's George Rosh on keyboards. Uh, he's a phenomenal player, but I've been restoring the piano for about four years. Uh, wow. It's a family piano. Yeah. It was my great-grandmother's, mm. and so it's, it's just got a little extra special meaning for me. Wow. That, so that, now when you say restoring, are you just talking about putting extra varnish on it, or are you getting into the guts and doing the I'm things? I'm not doing it. I'm not. Okay, I'm, I see, I'm, I see. I'm, I am hiring professionals to <laughs> my, restore it. My father taught me a lesson when I was very young. Yeah, He's like, I'm not handy at all. I can't fix anything in this house, so you have two choices. You either learn how. Or you make enough money to be able to hire people that know what the hell they're doing. Yeah, I've got a guy named Josh, the piano man. He does every piano at the U of M, and he's just been working on it, and you know, just slowly tuning back up because it's been, you know, in kind of disrepair for a lot of years. It's, it's- 107 years old. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Same strings. Yeah. Well, we I, really the original strings. Wow. Yeah. Wow. That's pretty. Co- I mean, it sounded wonderful, but I mean, pulling something together on an instrument that old is not simple. No, and I, I don't know how they do it, but, um, you know, it it was important, I think, for me that that piano kind of made a, a moment on this album, um, because a lot of this is about kind of restoration mm-hmm. and repair and um, rebirth, right? And so, like, that instrument has been in my family since 1922, never, wow. been, never been recorded, and now it's, now it's captured forever. And, and as we get older, I think that tradition takes on new meaning, mm-hmm. right? Like when you're a kid, it's a little easy to be a little more cavalier about these things, or even as a young man, young woman, you know what I mean, a young person. But as we start to move on and we think about our legacy, you're talking about kids, things like that, I think that it's, it suddenly becomes incumbent upon us. You're like, this thing actually matters. This is important, especially when you can continue to articulate it and find its voice so many years after it first came into existence. Before we continue with Eric, I do want to turn to my good friend, Sean, who I know had a good holiday, but also we're in a quiet time of year, or at least a reflective time of year, a cold time of year, although it is going to be getting nicer. Um, it looks like this headphone cord got into some hummus at some point. Anyways, I was hmm. saying, uh, it's disgusting. I don't know who would have done this over here. Oh, they're my headphones, aren't hmm. they? <laughs> Interesting. All right. Um, but I wanted to ask Sean, um, you know, we are looking forward to a new year and people, you know, whether we're looking at continuing traditions of the past or forging new beginnings, this is a good time of year to start speculating, thinking, searching and exploring what you might do. Sean happens to be a realtor and he works for the 50th and France location of Edina Realty. I imagine that people are starting to now at this like, what's my next year going to be like? This is the time of year people start to think about it. Yeah, it really is. I mean, it's very rare that somebody will say, I want to move next month. I mean, that doesn't happen very often. It's typically, let's, especially uh, a lot of folks our age have been in their homes for a very, very, very long time. I have no idea what you're talking about. They have a lot of stuff. And I mean, a lot of stuff. So we take a look at borderline hoarders in my house. I don't know, but I'm not saying that about your clients. They're probably much classier than me. But my garage, I have a two car garage that I've had for 20 years. Never had a car in it. 
I've had people like make me wear a helmet before I go into one of the rooms. Uh-huh. You know, one of those things. Yeah. Where, okay, we're going to open this door. But that'd be put cool. The helmet on. Because these, <laughs> it's these all micro- good. there's a little pathway to the exactly. back of the room. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. exactly. All right. But if you're if you're, if you know somebody that's looking to buy or sell, please have them get in touch with me. I'm a no pressure guy, so whatever your timing is is your timing. Um, yeah, but I love to be able to work in advance as much as possible so everybody's not stressed out. Uh, moving is stressful. Uh, that's not going to change. What hopefully will happen is, uh, A, I'll care about you through the process, but B, we're probably going to have a few laughs because that's just my way. Like, we have to keep a sense of humor even with something as big as buying or selling a home. Even bigger. If you if we ever lose our ability to appreciate satire, gallows humor, or a, even a, a gentle giggle in the darkest of moments, then it's fucking over. You may as well just give up. That's exactly right. Um so another thing that I'm going to continue to do in 2023 is I donate a portion of every buy and sell to a local musician or band. And uh, I'm going to keep that going next year. It just seems like the right thing to do with uh, my love of music, your love of music, and helping out uh, local artists that are getting very little for their music online anymore. They have to make their money through concerts and that sort well, of thing. Well, except for Eric, who apparently cashed in big time Can last year. I yeah. believe it. I yeah. hope you pay taxes on that. I, I quit my job. <laughs> Did you really? Nice. Yeah. Nice. Uh, so, yeah. <laughs> if you Where know do people get a hold of you? 612-859-2594. Eric, uh, the alarmist, uh, after an initial giddy Russian wave went away, you move out east, right? Then at some point you move back here. Did you move back here for kids or what did you move back here for? Yeah, I mean, my, my wife, Dana, and I wanted to start a family and be near our families which makes sense yeah and because let's so, be honest when you got little ones you could use the assist yeah oh, we and we get the assist trust it's me fabulous yeah we have just tremendous grandparents um but so the hiatus right so we yeah we had a great run uh and inevitably as most bands do um we we, we ended things right you know people moved on amicably i mean again i'm not no, trying to go tmz oh no it was bad no i wasn't yeah, there were some bad things. Okay, all right. There's a lot of creative energy, and there's a mm-hmm. lot of stress yeah. that is, you know, part of that. And so, yeah, I'll be honest with you. That, yeah, we, we had some fallings out. Okay. Um, but um, after a number of years, you know, after we all got married and <laughs> had kids and got careers, uh, the pandemic hit. Oof. And we started doing something really interesting. Now, when you say we, is most of the band back together? Is the whole band back the, together? Yeah, the whole band. Really? That's fantastic. Yeah, we, we, you can't. That's not usual. Well, here's the thing. This is a very unique group of people. Yeah. And um, <clears throat> I've played with a lot of musicians, but there's just a magic with this fivesome. And, you know, it's funny. Like, the song we just listened to, you know, we recorded it all remotely during the pandemic. And we were file Those sharing. were all recorded separately? Mostly, yeah. Yeah, okay, right So on. we got in a room together to do it because we had a show, right? Right. We had never played it before, and the first time we played it together was just magic. And it's because I'll explain this. Uh, it's really difficult, but there's a a nonverbal communication that musicians inevitably have to have. Like, if I'm the lead singer, I'm facing a crowd. There's a drummer behind me. We can't look at each other. Right. So we're we're communicating through the instruments. Right. Now combine that with with Ryan Mock, our drummer. And producer, by the way, he he's been a ama- he's been the wow. producer and creative director on all of this stuff, and mm-hmm. he's basically taken all the songwriting and made it ten times better than it could, a hundred times better than. Well, ever that's what been. a producer does, though, yeah, right? He's he's wonderful, but right. anyways, now he's got a relationship with Tony Najem, our bass player, and and their dynamic is happening, 
And then Tony's looking over at George at the keys, and I'm looking at George at the keys. And and the way that we all interact, I I've just I've played with a lot of people, and this unique special group of people is what makes the alarmists. And that's to us, it was like we don't want to call it an alarmist record if it's not that fivesome. Which I mean, I think is brilliant, right? Like, I mean, like REM said, nope, it, yep. it's over, and right. we're, we're not doing it yeah. anymore. It's it's literally over because that was REM, and I mean, again, a long legacy. But I love that because I think that it's this is one of the reasons that I love to sit down and talk to musicians mm-hmm. is getting an insight into what that alchemy is like, right? What that sorcery is like, because I don't think it can easily be written down. Like, here are the steps to being a great band, you know. <laughs> but but when you find it. You you feel it in your gut or in your heart or in your head or sometimes other more sensitive places and you can't not do it. So you over the course of the pandemic sort of you all reach out and you start doing things together and you all feel it. Who was the first person who brought up? What do you guys think? Should we do the alarmists again? It was Ryan Carrera. So yeah. we call him Crow. Um, he um, he sent me a couple of demos and was like, hey, will you? Cause so, so I'm, you know, I'm the lyricist and I'm the, I, I write the vocals, Ryan writes songs, right. But, but he doesn't do that part. And so he's like, Hey, can, can you just give this thing a listen? Would, and if you have any ideas, let me know. And so I cut a vocal and I, I don't even remember which song it was. Uh, the, the new album is, is 10 songs and I, I, I'm lost in who wrote what at this point, but it was that Ryan, Ryan was just, you know, at a point in his life where his kids are a little older and he's got a lot of time. And he's just a writing machine. He's just, he, he will not, to a fault, like he's, <laughs> and he's going to hear this. Ryan, Ryan, slow down on the demos, man. I can't keep up. I'm going to say on the other side, even though I don't have to deal with it every day, Ryan, never slow down on the demos. Understand, <laughs> understand they're all not going to make it to the final buffet, <laughs> yeah. but never, ever. I mean, if uh, he feels I, it, I, and I know he doesn't need to hear me say that, he'll never stop. And you no, know, he won't. And, yeah. I, and I don't want you to stop either, Ryan. <laughs> so the alarmist of new self-titled full length release. When will it be widely available or is it now? It's not now. We have two singles. We okay. just listened to one. Yep. Um, we, we put a second one out um, just a few days ago. And then um, we're in the we're in like the 98th percentile of mixing right now. Okay. So everything's tracked. Uh, and now we're just being ticky tacky and a little picky. We're working um, with a great um, mastering engineer. You know, the thing is, we really we want to put it on vinyl, but the vinyl thing is so backed up. Mm-hmm. It, no, it would be late 2024 before you could yeah. release it on vinyl. I work at a record store. I know yeah. people who are running and trying to print records right now. And unless you got out in front of it about two and a half years ago, there's just there's nowhere to do it. Yeah, there's actually a really cool uh, startup here in Minneapolis. Yep. Um, I'll, I'll give a shout out to Sarah. It's called Out of Wax. Mm-hmm. Um, they're just right off of Randolph. Uh, they just started up and they do like kind of small presses so you you actually can get records done a little bit quicker even locally um but on on the scale like yeah it's either like like minimal right. prints or these companies want you to print 300 records right i still got ghost and the hired gun records in my garage <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not i'm not printing 300 records i'd like to print 100 you know right right, right. so anyways um it'll be out um likely q1 uh, okay. we're just, we're just, 
Will, will you have it on Bandcamp so people can get it there? Because yep. I know the margins are best there. We we joke about Spotify because the margins are shit. But Bandcamp, you actually get most of the money, don't you? Yeah, people buy stuff on there. Yeah. Um, the reality is people don't buy a lot of this, but none of this is a monetization strategy. This no. Is, this, no. Is, this is straight up art. You know, we all have But it, do, it doesn't hurt to make money. No, Doing what not. you love, right? No. I mean, and you never know. All it's going to take is that one placement on the Real Housewives of Orlando, and suddenly <laughs> you won't, you won't return my phone calls, all right? No, I'll I'm always t- return. No, that's funny that you say that, because uh, one of our songs on the record... Um, is named um, Up, Down, Left, Right, like after the Nintendo code, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. And uh, <laughs> because we're all 80s kids, but uh, yeah. my wife heard it and she said, this chorus sounds like it could be on like my reality TV show. <laughs> so maybe. maybe all it takes maybe, is one, baby. Maybe you just made well, it happen. And, and there are a handful of people that have been for more than 20 years now. There are a handful of agencies in this country and even one in this town that that's kind of their whole jam. So let's wait and see what happens. Before we get ahead of ourselves, though, and before we crown them the pop kings of 2023, <laughs> let's go ahead and hear another song uh, from your band. Uh, Eric, What um, what's the song? You don't have to give me all the insight you don't have to tell me everything yeah sure but it but it, it it does have a frightening title for me right because you know let's say the last time you and i saw each other probably yeah. 15 16 years ago right uh we probably ran into each other but the last Since time we, then, genu- last time, we genuinely we, hung up we yeah. worked together we were yeah. at the radio station yeah. right and so it's been a minute and this song is called the future and i don't think either you or i or even sean could have predicted what your future would look like 15 years from that moment right so when you entitle this song the future does it come from a place again i don't need to know all the specifics but does it come from a place of optimism pessimism Overall uncertainty. Why do you call this song the future? It's uncertainty. the The chorus lyric is the future of us, and it's a haunting, haunting chord progression that Ryan put together. He he actually wrote every single chord in this. The only the only thing I did was write the melody and the and the lyrics. But this is a song about the curiosity of what's coming next and it's not a pessimistic thing but it's not necessarily optimistic either i'm i'm not gonna nobody knows that. nobody knows nobody freaking nobody knows. knows what the future right, is right, 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 right. and when i say the future of us i mean me and you i mean all of it me and my friends i mean me and my family what is the future of the us? the very nature of existence we don't know i didn't realize we had ramdas on the show today <laughs> i'm i'm well, glad we're getting I, spiritual aren't i'm, we? I'm yes. glad that we're digging into the, some of the deeper philosophical corners of existence and where they meet music new from the alarmist this one's called the future
being a man of a certain age, I love anything that has 80s influence synthesizers yeah. on it. But then also having been of another certain age, anything that brings sort of that shoegazy wash over the top of everything and kind of sweeps you away and you just let yourself go. That was gorgeous, man. Nicely nicely done. Thank you. Well, as a Queens of the Stone Age guy, um, oh, did you feel that a little bit? I, absolutely. <laughs> Here's the thing. So what they do is they do that wash and they find that riff and then they sweep you along and then there's always great elements in the background and then the keyboard whether it's some sort of icy overdraft coming in and sinking in or something that bubbles up from underneath yeah no i i completely felt that that's awesome well so i was i meant to mention this earlier but so that synthesizer primarily is the korg ms20 which they made about a hundred thousand of right 1978 to 82 it's the same synthesizer that, that Dr. Dre uses on the Chronic. I'm sorry? And the same synthesizer <laughs> that Air uses on Moon Safari. Stop it. So uh, if you can make really great hip-hop like Dre Day and nothing but a G thing. Yeah, yeah. And you can make things like La Femme d'Argent. Um, yeah, yeah. And Sexy Boy and Kelly, Kelly Watch the, the Stars. Stars. Exactly. <laughs> With the same instrument, chances are it's the right instrument. So I bought one when I was about 19 on eBay. And... I've never looked back. Uh, dude, Moon Safari. Ugh. We could do it. We, you know, next time you come back, we're, we're not going to talk, that we're the not whole time. talk about your man. We're not going to talk about Sean or me. We're going to talk about those two French dudes and how they literally recreated Down Tempo Chill yeah. for the next 50 years. I you love know, that record so you know, much. You know what that first song, La Femme d'Argent, um, that's French for the Silver Girl. Yeah. It's so good. Yeah, no, exactly. I took five years of French. So don't try to school me on French. I'm not, right? I, I, I don't try to school me on French, bro. I want to let people know. Yeah, yeah, simpletons yeah, yeah. No. that are listening is what he's saying. <laughs> Oh, those idiots who've not been to the continent. Because I know how to say, like, two French uh, yeah, sentences. Yeah, same. Oh, it. mais oui, mon petit chou. Oh, I see. I, didn't, I have no idea. Nah, I, just call, I, just, I just called you by a little cabbage. Um, <laughs> I am Brian. That is Sean. His name is Eric Lovell. The alarmists are, so you recently, just a couple nights ago, you had to cancel a show because we still live in a world scourged by plague. And even if it's not, you know, I know so many people in the last three months, none of them have covid but we all got hit with the crud yes. hard in the yeah. last few months, oh, and yeah. that ran through your family, musical family and otherwise. Um, so your 17th annual Eve Eve benefit show at the Ice House had to be postponed, but will be happening again in March. That's right, yeah. And, it, you know, it, it's just out of safety for everybody. Of course. You know? That's Smart. the right move, yeah. man. Yeah, That's but the it, right it, move, it's, Eric. It's, it sucked so bad because yeah. we were all so excited. It's a, so it's, it's a benefit show. Yep. It's a nice, that would have been a nice evening. But the weather was pretty bad too. It sure was, and we just didn't we didn't know like who's who had COVID and who didn't, and it was like why why fill a room with people and have everybody get sick for the holidays? So best move for everybody, and agreed. Uh, but it, it was a bum out because. I'll tell you what, playing the future live is really, really fun. Well, it sounds, I mean, it's a fantastic song, and it sounds like there's a lot of places to go with it. And also on a night like that, when it was that cold, right before Christmas, you don't know if you're going to get 15 people. You don't know if they're going to have to turn people away at the door. Right. Yeah. And so I know I'm. I can only imagine after waiting 10 years to get back to do this, <laughs> how much anticipation had built up to yeah. get out there. So let me ask you this for people who want to pay attention to what shows are coming up, what. Other musical little treats might dribble before the album comes out. What is Ground Zero? Where do you put like people to go? Are you like, I'm going to go to Facebook. You want them to go to Bandcamp. Where do you think they should go to find out we, more about yeah, your band? It's Facebook and Instagram. I mean, right? that's the the trick. To, you know, modern marketing is meet people where they are, and yeah. so we just try to be where where people are. Right. Um, 
So whenever we do, a, you know, a show or we have a single release, we'll, you know, we'll throw it on Facebook. We'll throw it on Instagram. Um, this stuff's not on Bandcamp yet because we're going to wait for the whole record for exactly. that. But you can, I mean, you can ask your Alexa unit to play these songs because they, they, they're, we're not, you know, platform specific. Yeah. We're, we're pretty agnostic. So we're on YouTube. We're on Amazon. And it's, it's all really easy these days. Yeah. No, you, 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 almost one, too easy. One distribution, click of a button and, right. and it just goes everywhere. I mean, right. It's Pandora. It's everywhere. So find us where you want to. All right, very good. And you, you know, you mentioned that the record's coming out. You're like, what? What was the mathematical term you used, Sean? Ninety eight percent. Ninety eight percent. Yeah. Okay. There. So yeah. this is also one of my favorite questions to ask musicians because some love to perform live. Some live to simply like to create in their hermit's cave. Others like to sit and be studio rats and work on it forever and ever and ever. How do you know, especially when you're dealing with four other people, when this is a marriage of five and it's all your creativity is at stake for each one of you, how do you, how, how, what, what is the point where you're like, fuck it, we're done. This song is finished. Yeah. Because you can always mess with it, right? You can always pull it a little further, move it to the left a little bit, move it up a little higher. <laughs> like, how do you know when to say when? I think, yeah, that's a really great question. Um, I think time constraints are important. Yeah. And, uh, you know, you can really get lost if you just don't have that focus. And um, I'll, I'll just shout out to Ryan Mock. He, he's just been, I think, pretty, I guess the term is is focused and, um, and very specific about like, all right, this is how far I'm going to take it before I, I let you all hear it. Yeah. You know, and then when we hear it back, 48 hours before a mixed note, let it sit with you. Yeah. And then after that, think about it. We're going to revise it. Okay. And then we're done. And that's about it. And we've gotten really disciplined about that, where we've gotten to, you know, everything's tracked well enough that we understand that, it, okay, we're done tracking. Ryan mixes, we sit with it, we focus. And then we just say, all right, hey, this guitar up a little bit, or this vocal up a little bit, or whatever, you yeah. know. But everyone's kind of like, hey, I everyone gets their input. Yep. And there's negotiation, right? Yep. Because we all want everyone to be happy. That doesn't mean we're all always 100% satisfied. Well, that's I mean, that's compromise, it's right? It's compromise. Yeah, yeah. And, but we get to a point where we go, we all love this. And that's, that's I think, the goal, you know? You know what I just heard, Sean? What? What I heard is the over-under is we'll maybe get this by September. <laughs> <laughs> Nice. Oh, boy. I'm just screwing around. Eric of the Alarmist, before we say our final goodbye to you, I want to thank Smart Start MN, without whom this literally would have never gotten off the ground. Moxie Wealth Management, who have been our most recent and ardent supporters. We appreciate them. Everyone on Patreon, it's been a crazy year, right? But we are getting back into the rhythm. Sean and I will bring a bunch of Patreon events to you yes. in the coming year where you will have a chance to come out and have access to these intimate musical performances that other people simply do not have access to. That's why our, our way of showing you that we support the early and frequent and consistent effort you showed us over hard to believe now that it's been over three years sean thank you very much what's that phone number one more time 612-859-2594 come on sell your house buy a house do something help local musicians <laughs> move it's time for a change baby something new is afoot in 2023 let's just hope it's not the giant meteor that finally comes out of nowhere and destroys us all my name is brian oak thank you very much for tuning in we'll be back next time although she bailed on us I still want to give a shout-out to Coldplay hater Liz Winstead. She was supposed to join us <laughs> later on this week. She's got a couple of big shows coming up this weekend at the Parkway Theater, which is literally two doors north of us right here. Yes. But I was informed she was a little too busy. A little busy.
She's very popular. I don't know if you know she helped found The Daily Show. Yes. I'm just saying. Anyway, a <laughs> couple of big shows coming up Friday and Saturday at the Parkway. You can find out more at theparkwaytheater.com. Thanks, Liz. I guess we'll talk to you next year. Whatever. I'm going to play Coldplay every day between now and then <laughs> in memory of her. She really does hate them. Uh, Eric, happy holidays, man. And I wish you the best in the coming year. Congrats on the new record. I hope that it is followed by a full summer of playing live music everywhere that you possibly get the opportunity to. Uh, and it's great. So I look forward to it. The Alarmist, if you want to know more, apparently you can tell your home robot to just play it and it'll happen. Yeah, it just will. Hey, hey I want to. Just say thank you, Brian and Sean. Thanks for having yeah, me. Thank you, man. It's been a, been a pleasure. Gladly, man. Again, this is a low-stakes affair. The Smart Start MN Studios are not exactly like the Playboy Mansion, but they are ours, and it's very nice. One of my favorite things is this sort of conversation that we have. What I mean by that is that this was a huge part of your life and who you were, and you weren't able to do it for years, and yes, you got married, and yes, you had kids, and those are all wonderful things, but there's something about being true to yourself. And I hope one thing that you found with playing with these guys again is this is a part of who you are. And just by listening to the music, this is fucking phenomenal. So I'm so Uh happy for you guys for doing this again. It's so worthwhile and it's so important to be true to yourself. So thank you. Nice work, man. Thank you. Well, like I said, it's self-titled, and maybe we'll just follow Led Zeppelin's lead and do the Alarmist Two and the Alarmist Three. <laughs> I love it. Exactly. You know why not? Like, yeah. Just call all our like Peter Gabriel with his first four solo <laughs> records. Just call them all the Alarmist and let the <laughs> let the nerds figure it out, <laughs> exactly. man. All right, we got to wrap things up here and call it a show. But before we do, you've picked a very interesting band. Uh, James Murphy is a mercurial character, and he was someone who's like, "We're quitting forever," and then sold out five nights in a row at Madison Square Garden. And then, oddly enough, Sean, they didn't quit forever. They came back. But you know what? It's shocking. Tom Brady. That's why it's like never make grand proclamations. Just if you're going to go, go. But, you know, whatever. It didn't matter. I, I actually don't begrudge this band because I think they bring elements of punk rock, electronica, more things than I, post-punk, whatever you want to pick. I mean, and the, the amount of references, but there's never been another band quite like them, right? No, no, not at all. And we're talking about LCD Sound System. So tell me why you've chosen not only this band, but this song to wrap up the show. I'm going to give you the final words. Well, that's a lot of pressure, but... Um, not really. It's, again, uh, it's just a podcast, man. I, I'm just a, a podcast. I'm obsessed here. with this song, and I, I, I don't know what hit me, but I, I, so I just recently read um, Meet Me in the Bathroom. Which is, you know, the story about the rebirth of rock and roll from 2000 to 2011 or Specifically whatever. the sort of New York City era, yeah, right? right? Yeah, Turns out James Murphy, kind of a control freak. Shocking. Um, <laughs> and kind of not the best guy in the whole world. However, great songwriter. And to your point, what I love about this song is it has these dance elements and a lot of sequence drums, but it also has rock and roll all Very over Very much. And we talked about this before we turned our mics on. The use of the major seventh chord in this song is what makes it so special. Now, for me, I don't have any fucking idea what that is. Do you know what the major seventh chord no, is? but okay. I imagine it's really difficult to play. It's not. It's easy as heck. I'm so gonna, why I'm is gonna... it so powerful? Is it like is it like the Thor's hammer waiting for you there in the scale? Yeah, and it's the first. It's the first electric guitar lead that comes in, and so I'll hum it for you, and you'll hear it. But it goes, bum 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 bum, and that's the seventh. That that boom, boom, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So it's just a chord with one flattened note, um, and I I love it. I use it all the hell over our music. <laughs> it's on it's on. Don't be a mystery. It's you know it's on. A, nice. But he uses it in such a smart way, and it's also like a seven minute song. But it is one of the most phenomenal rock and roll songs. 
And I love that he's got this lyric where he's talking about um, his messed up family, and he says, wear your makeup like a man. I, mean, <laughs> I, I, I love David Bowie. I love yeah. um, New York Dolls. Androgyny, yeah. um, fluidity, uh, embracing people for who they are. Yes. Uh-huh. So wear your makeup like a man. Just I don't know. When he hits that note, it is, he's, he's mad, and it's, it's like a good mad.
Joe Burgess is a registered representative and investment advisor representative of Securian Financial Services Incorporated. Securities and investment advisory services offered through Securian Financial Services Incorporated. Member FINRA SIPC North Star Resource Group is independently owned and operated. Moxie is affiliated with North Star Resource Group and is independently owned and operated. 2701 University Avenue Southeast, Minneapolis, Minnesota, 55414. 